Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't, But You Do, where we have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that are making efforts to go above and beyond, not for themselves, but for other people. Today's guest is no exception to that rule. I had the pleasure of presenting to his organization several months ago in California, and I was immediately drawn to his persona, to the way that he embraced culture, that he shared culture, and he was kind to every single person. Today's guest, his name is Kevin Korob. He's the president of Guest Worldwide. Guest Worldwide is a Cisco company. We will talk a little bit more about what they do and what the company does. But more importantly, I wanted to welcome Kevin to the podcast. Kevin, we're so grateful that you're able to join us, president of Guest Worldwide. Thank you so much, Bart. Good morning. And it's great to be back with you and spend some time. I, I think the big takeaway from your time with our sales organization, what just a few months back in San Diego, be bamboo. That has definitely kind of <laughs> transcended some of the talk that we've had uh, since uh, your time as our guest speaker. And uh, it's great to see our organization rally behind that because as we all know, change continues to happen at a rapid pace and we need to be flexible, adaptable to service our customers and certainly our industry. So it's great to spend some time with you, Bart. Thanks for having me. No, of course, Kevin, thank you. And I want to read just a little bit more about your background, and then I'm going to get into some questions. This will get proactively pushed out to over 100,000 listeners. And as I shared before we immediately hit record, my goal in doing this, it is to invite people that I have interacted with that I see what their genuine makeup is, what their authentic self is. And when they are going above and beyond to do for others, I immediately want to get them on the show. I want to ask them questions about how did they become this way? And how did they become such a great leader? And how did they become such a great sales visionary? All of these types of things we will certainly get at with regard to Kevin. But Kevin has been in this role, just so everyone knows, president of Guests Worldwide for almost one year. Prior to that, he was executive vice president for Guest Worldwide. I had referenced, or we will reference, some of the brands underneath Guest Worldwide. One of them is Guest Supply. He was a senior vice president of sales. He had been on the Guest Supply division or section for 12 years. And prior to that, really providing solutions from a sales lens, from a service lens, from an inventory perspective doing so much of being able to help others get what they need in order for them to be more successful. So Kevin, I'd like to start at the beginning of where you grew up and what were some of your early influencers that maybe were determining factors in the person that you are today and the leader that you are today? Yeah, I listen, I think we we all have a story, Bart, in terms of what influenced who we are today. And I think that always continues to evolve, but there's some core things that inherently um, become core to who you are. And I think if I, if I look back on the early days, I think it's the classic story of having two incredibly hardworking parents that strive to create a better life for my sister and I, better than the life that they had. And that's been their vision for us. And they've been very vocal about that growing up. And so I think as I think about both my parents and the examples that they set, the way that they grew up, the way that they had expectations around, hey, whatever you strive to be in life, hard work, treating people right, being humble, all should come together, right? And ultimately become where, where 
and achieve whatever goals that you might have set, right? But it all starts with hard work, having goals and objectives, and taking care of people along that journey. And so I've seen my parents really model that behavior when I was a little kid and still to this day, quite frankly. Yeah. And were they involved uh, from a professional lens? Were they involved in sales or service or, or giving to others? I'm just curious. Yeah, sure. So both of my parents um, had owned their own businesses. So my dad had a machine shop growing up. And so I, I can remember being six, seven, eight years old, working on a, a lathe, the mill, if anyone knows what that is, right? And so a lot of that work. And obviously running a business can be challenging. Same thing for my mom who had a small business or a small restaurant. And so I think from, from both of those perspectives, if, you, if, you, if you've ever been part of a small business or know anyone that has been part of a small business, payroll is certainly probably one of the number one challenges, right? And once you have good people, you don't want them to leave because it is so costly when they do leave. And so when you have good people, you want to hang on to them and retain them. And yeah. so when, listen, we've all had seasons in life, right? Especially being a business owner, there are good seasons and then there are tough seasons. And when there's tough seasons and the priority becoming making sure you can meet payroll, I think personally, there are challenges where financially there are seasons where it becomes pretty dry. And so yeah. I'll get to that probably in a minute, show a bit more details. But ultimately, it was about taking care of your people and making mm-hmm. sure that ultimately if you can take care of your people, they take care of your customers, the yeah. work that needs to be done. And ultimately, that usually takes care of the profits in most cases as well. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, did you see your parents having to make difficult decisions with regard to employees growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I think looking back in those tough seasons, I, I, I could see the weight and the pressure that they both have felt mm-hmm. when they've had to make tough decisions, right? Because listen, at the end of the day, when you think about business, it all starts and ends with people, right? And relationships. And yeah. so I think when you develop those relationships and you invest in people, and I've seen them do that. And when you have to make tough decisions sometimes, where the math just doesn't add up and you have to make tough decisions, whether it's, hey, you know what, we... We're going to need to part ways here for 90 days until we get things squared away and improve the business. Or quite frankly, for both of my parents, uh, they both have lost their businesses, right? And so Mm -hmm. that creates a very, very tough financial situation. And I saw the weight that they had first and foremost on people, so their employees, but also the weight they carried as parents for us, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, they strive to create a better life for us than they had. And being a business owner is no, no small task. No, certainly not easy. So w- what I know I'm I'm learning and our listeners are learning, it's about values, working hard, taking care of others, treating each other fairly, treating your employees fairly, because then it has the net result of treating your customers even better for that longevity. At what age were you? Do you remember when you, and maybe hopefully it wasn't at the same time when your parents lost their businesses? And had to start, did, did they kind of essentially have to start over? Is that what you shared? They did. Yep. So they had to start over, right? Yeah. And was this at a time where you felt that pressure? Were you super young? Were you high school age? And do you remember how that felt? And did you, were you able to do anything to then help them, I guess? Yeah, as long as I can remember, my dad has always had his business. And there were seasons where, as I mentioned before, where they were good and where they were tough. And I would say probably at the age of 8 to 10. And then certainly as an, uh, as a 15-year-old where it got tough again, right? There's kind of, as I mentioned, there's seasons, right? 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of lessons learned, right? I, I saw the weight, number one, that my parents carried. I saw their dedication in terms of work ethic and wanting to do everything that they could to make sure that their business was successful and that they could provide for us, mm-hmm. in which they did an incredible job. And through all of that, the pressures of leadership and owning a business, yeah, I think that watching and, and observing how they manage that, I mean, they they did an incredible job shielding us from a lot of that, right? I now know that today, looking back, right? <laughs> Stories that were shared. But as a kid, you only saw snippets of that. And I think as a leader, as a business owner for them, how did they manage all of that emotion and pressure and always were present with us, with kids? And in terms of how we could help, right? I mean, I think my dad is always, because he grew up on a farm in northern Wisconsin and just always growing up looking to him one of 12, right? He always mentioned about how before the, the day started to go to school, he had to you know, milk the cows and do that beforehand. And there were yeah. times where he wanted to play sports, but he had to help the family farm. And so I transcended that to like me, right? At that age, how could I help? And my dad would always ask, hey, do you want to come to the shop today? And it's funny, we joke about that now. He asked, which meant I had a choice, but I knew the choice was, yes, I'm coming here <laughs> today. And so I think from that perspective, it's just hearing the stories of him growing up and what he did on the farm. I think that I wanted, and my sister did as well, wanted to make sure we could step up and help wherever we could. So like during the summers, we really were there with him at his shop, supporting any way that we could as well. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I did not ask this. Did you grow up in Wisconsin? I did not. So I, I for the most part, grew up in Georgia. And so I, I consider, uh, I have considered Georgia home. But yeah, so we, we go there every two years. But my dad grew up on that farm. Uh, we moved around through the Southeast from the time I was probably one to four and then ultimately settled in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And what I love about what you just shared, it really summarizes my perception of you. And I think many of your team members' perception of you. You shared that it must have been very difficult for your parents to be able to manage and balance their businesses and also still be present. They had to manage their emotions and be present. What I noticed about you in our brief interactions, again, at, at the sales conference, you were you were looking people in the eye. You were using their names. There was just this genuine sense about you. And, and what I've noticed, again, and Kevin, this is, this is to really spotlight you, there's been other CEOs and presidents that I have met that will look you in the eye for one second and then glance over your shoulder to see who else is more important in the room. And gosh, when I watched you, no matter what was going on, whether you were going to be up on stage in three minutes or not, you were so present with every single person that interacted with you. And I'm, I'm guessing that that came from the examples that you saw from your parents. Yeah, absolutely. I think being present is, is, is so key to leadership. Listen, there are challenges, right? We all have demanding schedules, but I've always, and thank you, by the way, for the kind words. Uh, it means a lot to me. It, it is kind of strange hearing that, that positive feedback because once you get to a certain level of leadership, you don't hear a lot of that. That's okay. Uh-huh. But uh, thank you so much for observing that. And what, here's what I would say, right? I mean, being present is so key. And, and I think that's an opportunity for a lot of leaders. And I travel quite a bit, as you can imagine, in my role. And, and when I travel, I, I, you have to be really intentional, right? Because there's so many competing priorities. There's so many calls coming through, emails, chats, right? There's so many different ways to communicate these days. But I try my very best to make sure that whoever I'm with, 
they are the most important thing that I'm, I'm, I'm working on for the moment, right? And right. whether it's a customer, whether it's one of our colleagues. And so when I think about my parents, even though they were so busy with work, mm. the moments that we had together were intentional and that made a huge impact on me. And mm. as I think about leaders, in fact, I think I go back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, one of the coaching sessions I had with one of my leaders was I got feedback around, hey, this leader is having one-on-ones and I can tell they're multitasking because I've been able to connect with people and I would say I've birdies all over the place, right? People somehow tell me a lot of things. And so it was an opportunity for me to coach this particular leader. It's like, hey, listen, are you aware of this feedback? And is this something that you do? And this leader admitted, hey, yeah, I do multitask. There's a lot happening. And so my advice to this leader was, hey, listen, those moments absolutely matter. What you say, how you pay attention to them, sends a message, whether it's a positive message that you care, you're genuinely interested in their success, or you're going through the motions in a typical one-on-one that might be scheduled. Yeah. And so as I've traveled wherever I've gone, whether whoever I'm with, yeah. I, I try to stay very focused on that and not let all the distra- distractions of the business get in the way. And then also yeah. when I'm home, right? I mean, it's it, it, very demanding, right? Running a business, but ultimately when I'm with my family, I uh, have to be very intentional to be very focused. So that means put your phone away. Just yes. remove that distraction and that temptation. Because even though I travel quite a bit, it's not about quantity of time. Sometimes it's really about quality. And so you can really make an impact on that. No, I, I totally agree. And that's such a great reminder for our listeners that there are things that are going to be important. And then there's things that are going to be perceived as being urgent. And when we are with other people, as you said, whoever you're talking to is the most important person at that moment. There's always going to be another email coming in. There's always going to be another text. There's always going to be more to do. But at that moment, you've identified whoever is in front of you, customer, colleague, stakeholder, that is the most important thing. Kevin, I'd like to learn a little bit more and and please share with our listeners your propensity for sales, right? Initially getting in as a service consultant and account representative working for Office Depot Business Solutions right? Business development and leading people. And then I know when you had joined guest supply really into a selling role, at what point did you gravitate toward sales? Is that something that you knew that you always maybe wanted to to learn more about or to get into? No, listen, I, I don't think that when I was a kid, I thought, hey, you know what? I, I dream of being in sales. It's interesting having spent so many years in sales and the perception of people that are not, right? And what it is mm-hmm. and what you're in it. To me, I, I really feel as though throughout my life, and, I, and my dad and I joke about it today, he used to tell me that, hey, Kevin, you had just such a way of connecting with people that just through dialogue, people would want to buy whatever you're selling. In fact, he would say that, hey, Kevin, you would talk to your sister and you would somehow convince her that this junk that you had that you found in the middle of the woods was the greatest thing. Somehow trade her and made her feel great, right? Which that's not a compliment when I think about where I'm at, but that's just my dad. <laughs> busting my chops as, as his son. But uh-huh. when I think about sales, when I got into sales, I'll tell you a quick story. So when I was at Office Depot and they're a great company and I have, I have so many friends that are still there and I'm so grateful for that experience. It's been over 11 years there. And I started there um, right out of high school, really, um, as a temp. And when I um, started there, that operation was very, very challenged. And it's one of those things when I look back at it, it was, it was, it was crazy the hours that I worked. I mean, it was, I'm an 18 year old kid. I didn't come from a lot of money because I mentioned the SBs that were up and down and 
right out of that season we came out of was a pretty tough season. And uh, so I was highly motivated, right, to, 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 to make as much money as I could. And that sounds terrible, but given the situation I was in, that's what I was focused on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as an 18-year-old kid, I was working 60, 80. I think there was a week where I worked 100 hours and on the clock for 24 hours. And I'm like, wow. But number one, financially, I was benefiting from that hard work. And I saw the correlation of hard work and the income that you can make. But then I fast forward about six months later, and, and my leader at the time had promoted me to a supervisor. And that's my, that was my first taste of really being put in a position of a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned a lot about people and relationships, earning trust, credibility, and working as a team, the impact that we could have together. But then looking at it and saying, wow, as a leader, I had a small part of that. And that's where I got the taste of real, true leadership, and I could see the impact. And and I really wanted to do so fast forward, right? That year, as, as, we, as the operations improved, I went from working whatever, 80 hours a week to it became 40 hours a week because things have improved to that degree. And I was at a point where, you know what? I wanted to do more with my career. And so I was literally about to resign from Office Depot, move back home, go to school full time to get into management. And at that same time, my, I guess I'll call him my mentor at the time, right? He, he had already moved into sales, which created that opportunity for me to become a supervisor in operations. I said, Kevin, there's an entry-level sales job over here um, that I think you'd be great at it. And I'll put in a good word. And so at that time, Bart, I'm, I'm 19, no college degree, no mm-hmm. sales experience. And I'm thinking, there's no way that this is going <laughs> to happen. But look, they put a word, my, my mentor put a word, a good word in there for me. And that sales leadership team took a chance on me. And I'm so grateful for that. And when I think about that, that's where once I got into entry-level sales job, I saw where just helping others be mm-hmm. successful, right? So we were helping businesses, whether they were public or private, whether they're governments, state and local, colleges, K-12, and listen, every business has a need. And what I learned early on in my career was if you would listen to your customers or prospective customers and understand what they're challenged with and marry that up with the solutions that we had at Office Depot mm-hmm. at that time, right? And line that up with how that could support them, whether at the individual level, level to meet their goals and objectives, at the functional level, but ultimately helping their operations improve. And so early on, I got to see how, wow, helping people and satisfying what their challenges are and their needs that made me feel good personally, right? Wow, I'm actually helping people. And then you're helping businesses. And so I didn't really look at it from a sales perspective. I looked at it from a lens of helping others be successful, right? And selling by definition is changing behavior, right? And so when I transitioned that and I got into leadership, as you mentioned, I got into different roles, ultimately into leadership. Same thing applied, right? It's helping others yeah. find other ways of doing things to help them be successful and achieve the goals that they strive to achieve as well. Yeah, and I think that still continues to be so unusual for leaders. And obviously, with that trait, Kevin, and you being real and authentic with that approach, it is continuing to propel you. But I will see different organizations, or I'll talk to friends that are working for different companies, and they're like, yeah, the the culture on paper is different than it is in practice. The The individuals that say that they're all about and trust, integrity, and respect are not always. So their in practice is not always right. Quite, quite the same. How do you think, or why do you think you are 
the way that you are? And I know that's a very high gain-ish kind of question, but is there anything that points to you are a person that wants to help others be successful? Yeah, I think I think you have to ask the question, like, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, find your why. And I don't know if you've seen that from a TED Talk perspective, but if you haven't, it's, it's a great session. And I remember watching that several years ago and applying that and really thinking about that. And I actually addressed that with my team several years back. And I think you have to do that check from time to time. But ultimately, once you find your purpose, and for me, to your point, right, I mean, core to who I am, I absolutely uh, enjoy helping others. And the others can be our colleagues. The others can be our customers. Others can be family and friends. And ultimately, what I enjoy is, is making an impact. You know, like if I can play a small role in helping others and give back what I've learned, uh, put forth effort to help them achieve whatever they're looking to achieve, yes. um, that, that gives me satisfaction and, and it helps give me purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's, that's part of it. And I would just say, when I think about lessons that I've learned from my parents and I think about like my dad, he's always about, Hey, Kevin, whatever you do, doesn't matter whatever you do, give it your best. Make sure you give it your all. Otherwise, there's no point in even doing it. Yeah. And uh, so that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And so that's every interaction I have is, is the impact. And, and that's always kind of, kind of sat with me. And I think through that in terms of the impact that I want to make. And as you get older, it's about what are you leaving behind and what type of legacy. And I, and I will say in leadership, what I've learned is, you know, with that, with that role comes a great deal of responsibility. And so you have to take it very seriously. And you know, mm-hmm. if you don't know your why, you don't know your purpose, right. when you're going through challenging times, it can be frustrating, right? You can yes. you start spinning your wheels. And so I have found that when you know your why and you get in those times in a rut, in those tough seasons, you can come back to that. And it just refocuses you on the purpose and why you get up every morning to do what you do. Yeah. Kevin, and it reminds me, and I can't remember if I shared this with your group or not, but when people are struggling, if they're having a bad day, or if they are looking to be able to meet new people and they need a buffer or an introduction, I ask them to look at their home screen on their mobile phone. And there's a reason why you have a picture of your family. There's a reason why you have a picture of your dog or your cat or your pet or a grandkid or a beautiful scenery. That is just a reminder without you thinking it, there's a reason why you selected that to be your home screen. And I think it's a good reminder to think back to what your why is and hearing again with you sharing purpose in in impact uh, of the presidents and CEOs and founders and executive directors that I talked to, Kevin, one of their greatest things, it's this self-realization to realize what you need what drives you what makes you feel good and then the next question that i typically will ask of great leaders like yourself now with this self-awareness is there anything that you are still trying to work on as a leader is there anything that you know that maybe you don't care for and you are surrounding yourself with other people that really are good at it and like doing certain things. Is there a task that maybe you want to improve upon and or that you surround yourself with experts that might be much better than you and like it better? 
Yeah, I think that the one thing that, that I have to continue to work on is patience. Uh, I do like to move with a sense of urgency. I've just always been that way. I think about, and that's something I've learned from my dad and also been coached on. I probably picked up from my mom because as a kid, my mom was always like, I was a shy kid, kind of in the back. And so at different events, whether it was like the holiday concerts or whatever the event was, I would always be in the back. And my mom would always be like, Kevin, get out in front. You need to be out in front when and you got to move fast. And, and my dad, my dad is the most patient person, I, I believe, on the planet, right? He's very kind. He almost never gets rattled, even through all the seasons I just mentioned, right? There's some tough seasons. Yeah. I and mean, he just has always seemed unfazed. And so he's probably the role model for me to try to, to, to work towards. And, and even as my kids were little, my dad would make a joke and say, hey, your dad um, still hasn't found patience. And so he would literally, as they were little, like little kids, help dad find patience. My kids would walk around the house. Patience, patience, where are you? And just, that's kind of been the running joke. And so I say that because even my parents have seen that. And I've had to work on that over the several years as leaders. And so going back to your question in terms of the one thing that I still have to work on is, is making sure that I allow enough time sure. for whether it's the strategy, the initiatives, the things mm-hmm. that we want to accomplish mm-hmm. and give people enough time to let it marinate, to let them digest, to let them implement to let them to learn and then refine and obviously get there. And so I think for me, I've come a long way, but I would say I still have a long way to go as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you for, for sharing. And I was not meaning to say, what are you really not good at? I didn't want that to come across the wrong way, but from (laughs) a self, but from a self-awareness perspective, I think that that's, that's a mature, healthy, confident way of being able to approach something. So thank you very much for, for sharing that. Kevin, I, I want to make sure that our listeners understand how special Guest Worldwide being a Cisco company is. And when I say Cisco, I want to make sure S-Y-S-C-O, Cisco company is. And, and kind of, if you don't mind, because I think it has a really cool origination story. So for the next few questions before we conclude, would would like just to have our listeners understand a little bit more about guests worldwide, the divisions, and really kind of how it started. Because I I think this story, it is so memorable, so unique and special, and it can give inspiration to anyone that has a great idea. You could turn it into a multi-billion dollar company. Would you mind sharing? Yeah, sure. I I love telling the story, especially when we get a chance to meet with with new hires. And in fact, when I interviewed with this company almost 14 years ago, I looked up the company to kind of understand the history and I found the story, right, of how Guest Supply got started over 40 years ago. And, and our founder, Jack Todd, was a, was a, a traveling salesperson. He happened to actually leave and forget his shampoo. And, and at the time, there was small sample sizes that were sent out via mail. And we just thought that that was a great idea. Like we traveled from hotel to hotel. Wow, I forgot my shampoo. And so there's a need. I wish I would have had that. And so he saw that as a need, as an opportunity, and and then really engineered, if you will, smaller sizes of shampoo and conditioner, and and I went to the hotels to say, hey, what if this was an amenity for your guests? And uh, to be able to and, and really gain traction. I think our first large national customer was Marriott, got a hundred thousand dollar PO, and he started his business out of his garage, right, almost 43, 44 years ago. And so to your point, I think for anyone um, that has an entrepreneurial spirit, where there's a need in the market, boy, run with that idea. Let's start small 
and, and, and take advantage of that. And so when I think about how far we've come over those 43 years from personal care amenities to textiles to really everything that that hotel needs to operate and run efficiently and satisfy those guests and improve and enhance that guest experience. And I know, Barry, you can, I'm sure you have a passion for that as well, given your background. And, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we feel very, very special and honored to be a leader in this industry to support the customers that we be to help them be successful. Because ultimately, if, if they're successful and we're their trusted partner, as they grow, we grow. And so we have a vested interest in their success. Yeah. And, and I just think it's so right. So interesting. Guess worldwide, parent company to three distinct businesses, guest supply, global distributor of operating supplies, furniture, fixtures, and equipment, healthcare and education channels, uh, Gilchrist and Soames, a global personal care brand development, manufacturing, marketing, and then Manchester Mills, a global textiles product development and marketing company. So there's there's certainly a lot more, and I want to make sure that our listeners understand this. That's certainly more than um, sample small bottles of shampoo and soap that you will get. It expands so much more than that. But really, when you think about the what what solution you're providing, you are enabling. Think about it, hotels healthcare educational locations and places to be able to make their customers, their guests, their travelers feel more comfortable. It like how amazing is that? You're making them, you're enabling them to feel more comfortable, especially if, if they're traveling, if they are in uh, healthcare right hospitals, and you really have just come up with so many different solutions to be able to make Again, I'm going to say patients, yes, travelers, more comfortable. Is there anything that that I'm missing when I say that? No, I yeah. think no, I think that's I think it's very well said, right? And and I think about I guess probably in its simplest form when you think about a hotel and especially a hotel room, anything that's in that room, mm. guest supply can certainly provide a solution for right. Whether it's the mattresses to the wall art to the drapery, obviously the the, the product that we just talked about, personal care amenities and the towels, the sheeting, the pillows, the blankets, but it's also the coffee, the toilet paper, the facial tissue, really everything in that room other than food, right? Which our parent company, Cisco, can absolutely support our customers Uh with. And so between Guests Worldwide, right, which to your point is a collective of those three companies, Guest Supply, the distribution arm, and then Gilchrist and Soames, right, the leading personal care amenity manufacturer of those innovative bath products that we just talked about and shared the story of how we got started as a business and how far we've come. And the mm-hmm. Manchester Mills are our top textile producer of, of textiles. So towels, sheeting, pillows, blankets, everything from a textile perspective. We can absolutely help. And then being part of the Cisco family, Cisco has everything covered from a, from a food perspective. And we feel like we have a great value proposition to help our customers leverage their volume mm-hmm. between our organizations. And we add a lot of value. But to your point, and I share with my, my sales organization, because of the breadth and scope of product that we can support our customers with yes uh, there's there should always be a small door that's open with every single hotel mm-hmm. and then it earns us the right to build that trust to build that credibility uh to demonstrate our capability to help them be successful to then expand into other categories yeah uh, and i'm i'm smiling because whenever i'm traveling and i'm speaking to audiences around the globe uh, i am now looking to see what types of products, what type of toiletry amenities that they have. 
And if they don't have one that uh, Guest Supply and Guest Worldwide is providing, it kind of makes me a little bit upset. And then I'm feeling, okay, let me send a note off to Todd or to Phil or to someone else on your team of being like, hey, look, I'm staying at this hotel in Indianapolis and they, they're not carrying your product. It's it's Absolutely. so funny. Thank right. <laughs> yeah. No, what, I mean, you become passionate, right? So there's there are people behind the brands and there's a culture behind the brands. And that's why I love being able to have this format as a podcast to be able to share. Okay. We just learned about Kevin Korob. We learned about him as the president of guests worldwide. We talked about growing up, what his values are, how he is as a leader. Now we're learning a little bit more about the company and what they provide. I adore Kevin. He is a really cool guy. And then all of a sudden, bam, I appreciate Phil. I appreciate Todd. I appreciate Justin. I appreciate like you just get to know the people and then you become raving fans from a loyalty perspective. And that's really, that's the joy of what we do in business. And it doesn't need to be hospitality business, but just in business in general, it's about loyalty and it's about relationships, which leads me to two final questions, Kevin. And again, thank you so much for taking this time. I, I know our listeners are taking down copious notes on how they can have new visions for themselves, even moving into the new year, new thoughts, new new ideas, new values, new self-awareness. But from a, from a sales lens, and I just shared a couple of words like loyalty and customers, of course, what have you seen to be some of the characteristics of the best salespeople that you've ever interacted with? What makes them oh, so special? Question. Yeah, curious. I have a little request. This is Bart, the founder of Most People Don't. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with my name and my voice. A friend recently said, Bart, you really need to remind people to like, subscribe, comment, and share. The purpose of this quick little message is to do exactly that. We're putting out some tremendous content. You, as our listeners, have been extremely loyal. You gave us a perfect 5.0 score, and you are also sharing it. Thanks to your support, our podcast received recognition of being the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. We want to make sure that we continue to do this and more. So if you're liking the content, please continue to like it, to comment, to share, subscribe, do all those great things. Lastly, and probably most importantly, I want people to know that I am a motivational speaker full-time now. I completed my first TEDx talk in New York City, and this podcast is a way for me to share ideas with terrific individuals that are doing some exceptional things. As my main business is keynote speaking, I also do sales and service training, and we have a lot of different topics that we customize based on the needs of our clients, really by doing what most people don't do. I've had the pleasure of speaking in front of groups as small as 10 up to 4,000 people. It is certainly my passion. If you know of a group or an organization, big or small, for-profit, not-for-profit, that needs a dose of inspiration, they need a boost of motivation, I'd love to receive your referrals. Just send me an email. Easy. Bart at most people don't. There are so many people these days that need to hear good messages. We want to be able to share more. Yeah. So I always say, my team's listening, they'll probably cringe a little bit, right? I always say that sales is a contact sport. It doesn't yeah. happen unless you make contact. Yep. And so for me, I think that for me, the best salespeople, if I look back on my career, 
have a lot of activity, right? Whether it's networking, whether it's prospecting, whether it's business reviews with their existing accounts. But it's it, and all of that to say this, right? It's about communication, right? Activity turns into communication and dialogue. Right. And with that dialogue, right, I think the best salespeople do a great job of asking questions, discovery, learning, mm-hmm. rather than coming in and just saying, here are the 25 things that we can do to help you grow your business, help you run more efficiently, enhance guest experience, et cetera. Right? But rather than doing that, taking yeah. a moment and asking key questions that mm-hmm. tell me about your goals and objectives that you're striving to achieve. Right. Uh, tell me about what you're looking to accomplish this year. Tell me about some of your challenges that you're experiencing. Right? And so really asking those key questions to, to learn, because I truly believe that we have all the solutions right. products that can add a tremendous amount of value for all of our customers. But it's going to be different for every single customer. And so you can't put everything into this box. You have to learn to understand what is most important to each specific customer. So I, I think that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, and then the best sell people connect those two, right? Our mm-hmm. products, our services, our solutions to the <laughs> needs of our customers that are most important. And yes. when that happens, magic happens, right? Uh, our customer wins, you yes. win, and everyone is, and, and also in our business, the guest wins, right? Because we're all serving right. the end customers here. And yeah. so it's a trifecta. And so I'm getting goosebumps now because I'm so passionate yeah. about it. And that's, that's what the best sales people <laughs> to me do. They add value in every dialogue, but guess where it all starts? It starts with activity. And mm-hmm. so it's got to start there first and then ultimately leading to impact and to results that create incredible, incredible relationships. The other thing I would add to that is, is following through on what is said. I spent, I spent three and a half years in business development early in my career in the hunter role, and that's not for everyone. And I, I thought I was pretty decent at it. And as I won business, um, I would always ask the question because you can always learn, right? You can learn when you lose, when you fail, yes. but you can also learn when you win. And again, I think you're hearing a thing for me is always asking questions and asking for feedback. So I would ask, hey, thanks again for awarding us the business. Just curious. Mm-hmm. What led you to that decision? What set us apart? And the general feedback I always got was you guys have similar products. You have similar solutions. Your pricing is in line, right? So again, all of that is about the same. Yeah. But ultimately, it was the approach that you took. You provided value in addressing issues and concerns and the goals that we were trying to achieve. Even though I knew my competition had the same, similar solutions, right. because that salesperson didn't discover, if you will, what was important, they weren't able to connect the two, right? Sure. Right. So that's probably my best advice for salespeople that are really trying to become the best of the best, right? You know, world's the president's distinguished sales award. Mm-hmm. How do they take the time to learn and then connect our solutions to the needs of our customers? Wow. Okay. I'm going to summarize this because I'm taking actually a flow chart from what you just said, Kevin. I love it. Sales is a contact sport, meaning there needs to be the right activity directed in the right manner by asking questions to the right people. When you find the right people and you've made those outreaches, you've made either the the phone calls or the emails, and I'm also laughing because I cannot tell you, and I'm sure many individuals on the phone, including yourself, also feel the same way, many people on the podcast, I, I often will accept a LinkedIn request or a social media request. 
I'm always so disappointed that within the next 30 seconds of saying yes, the next question is, are you interested in franchising a, a bank? Like just so a, a sandwich shop. No, just because I said yes to connecting doesn't mean I want to start a franchise. Just because I said yes doesn't mean that I'm ready to invest in something. Like just because I said yes isn't a reason to start selling me something. And I just got an email the other day, and you'll laugh at this, from some company that said, can I have your shipping address? That was the subject line. And they were trying to bait me in. May I have your shipping address? I'm going to send you something. So I previewed it because it ended up in my junk, my junk folder. And it was basically, we want to send you a pair of our newest latex gloves. Okay, I'm a motivational speaker, storyteller. I do presentations in front of thousands of people. Why? Why? Oh, oh, because you saw that I used to be in hospitality. You think I'm a buyer, a decision maker for purchasing latex gloves. Like it's just, and it destroyed any type of credibility. And then sometimes I'll go back to LinkedIn and I will unfollow. I was like, you don't know me, right? You don't know me. So going back to your thoughts, connect with the right activity, contact sports, reaching out, and then connecting, understand the value that you bring to the table, what solutions you have for them, but it's all based upon the needs of what they are looking for. How did I do in the summary? Very, very good. I'm actually laughing because this morning I got that same invite on LinkedIn um, <laughs> about starting a franchise. And that must be a growing trend because if I think about the last two weeks, I, I swear I've gotten probably five requests just like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I guess they're looking for- must be a big, big market today. Yeah. Apparently they're looking at their activity for year end and they're like, got to get some more messages out there. It doesn't matter who it's going to. All right. Um, Kevin, the last, the, the last question for you um, is this. And again, so grateful that you're spending the time uh, on this show helping to educate me as well as all, all of our listeners. We know that with guests worldwide and guest supply, the longevity of the company over 40 years, how are you as the president of guests worldwide able to infuse your idea of culture? Yeah. So culture to me about people. Right. And it's mm-hmm. part of who we are. And, and, and I, I would say that when you think about it from a big picture perspective as a company, there's that culture. And then I would argue that every team probably has their own culture. And mm-hmm. so for me, as I think about your question, I, I just spent about 13 weeks on the road and primarily, and this might, might give you some insight, I think it ties into this question. Um, but for me, as I've been promoted a lot in my career, I'm very blessed and very thankful um, to all the leaders that took a chance on me, that invested in me, that allowed me the opportunity to be who I am today. But in each of the roles that I've had, that first year, my family knows the routine. They're like, all right, that first year, Kevin's going to spend a lot of time on the road mm-hmm. learning the people, which is learning the culture, right? What's working, what's not, what are the challenges, uh, what, 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 what is this team trying to accomplish? And so for me, it's important that me as the president spends enough time with our teams in person, right? In person, not on mm-hmm. Teams or Zoom, but in person, getting to learn, to understand, and to, to be informed 
of each team and each market and the culture that they have today. And then ultimately, to your point, reinforcing what we are trying to achieve. For me, right, it's, it's easy for me to set up, here's what I'd like to accomplish, but that's me. And I'm just one person. And so mm-hmm. what I've learned definitely in my career, it takes, it takes the team to achieve the results that we all aspire. And so it's not Kevin's idea. It's not Kevin's culture. It's our culture that we develop as a team and what we strive to achieve as a team. And so for me, the travel, the getting to know our teams is to seek to understand where yeah. are we today? Where does everyone else want to go? And then there certainly are themes as you travel, right? And so that's part of where I think as we look at the next three, five, ten years for guests worldwide, I'm absolutely excited about our future and our team and where we're heading as an organization, right? And it starts with our people first. And we've got work to do there, right? Because I, I truly believe if you take care of your people and you have the right culture within your organization, your colleagues, our colleagues, will certainly level up their service to our customers. And again, we further develop our trust, our relationships with our customers, which earns us the right to grow and expand with them further. And then guess what happens? Sales go up profit goals are achieved and then we achieve our goals but it all starts with our people first and foremost and then the rest all kind of carries to the end result that we want to achieve as a business yeah incredible kevin the acts that you're sharing the kindness the self-awareness the selflessness thinking about others helping others to be successful being aware of what you're good at, understanding that you want to become more patient, but asking questions, connecting the dots, connecting the values and solutions to what people need, whether it's customers, stakeholders, partners, clients, it doesn't, team members, it doesn't really matter. It's the same kind of process. And I know all of those things combined have enabled you to just continue to soar from a career perspective. Uh, So incredibly thankful kevin for you to be on this show for you for you to share so much insight with 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 all of our listeners i i would encourage individuals to to connect with kevin on linkedin kevin korab his last name is spelled k-o-r-a-b president of guests worldwide you can certainly look at guest supply guestsupply.com to find out more information in case you happen to have uh, a hotel, which many of our listeners are hoteliers, executive directors, founders, education, as well as hospitals and healthcare. And uh, Kevin, I'm going to just give the last word to you again. Thank you so much, Kevin, president of Guest Worldwide. Can you just fill in this blank, please, for us, Kevin? Most people don't blank. <laughs> oh, boy. A lot, a lot comes to mind. Um... <laughs> Uh, and it just varies from function to function. I guess here's what I here's how I would say it in light of our conversation today, <laughs> in spirit of connecting and listening. Ultimately, for me, if I close out that statement, right, most people don't. I'll say follow through. Mm-hmm. If I think about that, you can have all the activity in the world, you can have all the best solutions in the world, but ultimately, if you don't follow through on that. It doesn't. It doesn't happen, right? You fail to execute. And what's interesting, and probably that's why why it's coming to mind, is actually today. I know this will probably air sometime down the road, but today is actually the 30th anniversary of one of our leaders in our company. Mm -hmm. I promoted this leader. 
I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so. And, and through our dialogue, we were just having some discussion around, hey, Kevin, if, if I make it to 30 years, I would love a, a Cleveland Browns jersey with my name on it. He's from Ohio. Oh, cool. uh, he's a Cleveland Browns fan, which is, which is great. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and so, again, I don't know if he's going to know this, but I'm actually going to be traveling to South Carolina late this afternoon to have dinner with him. Uh, and and I'm bringing him a Cleveland Browns jer- jersey with his with his name on it. And oh my God! As I think about that, this is something we had about nine years ago. And listen, yeah. I, I will raise my hand and say I definitely don't follow through with everything. And I have yeah. learned that when things come back, hey Kevin, where's X? I realize in those moments that I have too much going on and need to reprioritize. But I'll say this: as a leader, and in, in sales, because this is also we're talking to a lot of salespeople in the industry. It is so important to follow through on your commitment and what you say you're going to do, especially, yes. especially when it's the big things. And so I don't know if this leader remembers that conversation. Mm. I think he does. But tonight I'm really excited to be able to kind of follow through on our discussion almost nine years ago and on that commitment. Because I told him, it's not if you make 30 years, when you make 30 years, yeah. I will absolutely make that happen. So his team and I uh, chipped in and we, we got him this nice jersey and I'm looking forward to, uh, to following through on that commitment and that conversation. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. And what a great story to end the show, Kevin. That is a great example of doing and and guaranteed that person is going to remember how you made him feel for a lifetime. That is just exceptional. And I know there are more stories like that happening, not only with you, Kevin, but with the rest of your team throughout. Kevin Koreb, again, thank you so much. President of Guest Worldwide, K-O-R-A-B, but it's pronounced Koreb. Again, just an outstanding individual doing great things for the company, doing great things for others and making memorable moments. Kevin, cannot thank you enough and we will certainly talk soon. Thank you, Bart. 